You're listening to Expanding Horizons, the podcast of the Unitarian Church of South Australia, a home of progressive spirituality and free religious thought and action since 1854. The views expressed in these podcasts are those of the speaker and are not intended to represent the position of the church itself or of the worldwide Unitarian Universalist movement. For more information, visit unitariansa.org.au. Welcome everyone. It's lovely to see a full church and great especially to have uh, our young people here. We treasure you so much and it's lovely to see you. Of course everyone is welcome uh, and if there are newcomers, well uh, you've come on a special day. Everyone's welcome here regardless of their background and it's a place that's been going in South Australia since 1854. I say also that we meet on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We respect their elders, past and present. There are some notices for the week. Those who are regulars will sort of know where to find them. But I can say that after the service today, there'll be a short period of tea and coffee, but then we'll get into a brainstorming session. We particularly want to hear from the younger generations, so I'll leave it at that. You can decide if you're in the younger generations or not. It's great to see that the Terrace Singers commencing next Thursday... Something different is the Minister offering an introduction to meditation course that's starting this Wednesday, 5 to 6 p.m. in the Mance. So for anyone who is interested, can you please arrive at, say, quarter to five for a five o'clock start, but come around Alfred Street. There's actually a door at the back for anyone who doesn't know, and you can park probably uh, easily in Alfred Street and come through the door there because there'll be another group in this area, I think, at 6pm. So it's just to avoid clashes. That'll be a series of three. Uh, Ideally, if you can come to all three, I mean, for your sake rather than anyone else's, to get the maximum benefit out of it. For those who like to go up to Shady Grove, that beautiful chapel in the hills, there's that Vespers service next Sunday at 5pm. We, of course, have the usual 10.30 service here. And Moving Meditation, run by Jenny, resumes on the 6th of February. So that's not this week, but the following week on the Monday. You'll hear more about that. And there's a notice board just out the door, so you can find out more if you need to. I like this chalice, which can mean many things. And today, I say it represents the vitality of life, the energy that animates all of us and that we see most abundantly in our young people, for which we rejoice. Now, I'm going to do something which may be unusual. I'm hoping to meet our young people one by one. So I've got my interview chairs set up out the front. You've all seen those old interview shows on TV. There are people old enough here to remember... (laughs) Michael Parkinson. Yeah, it's 
bit hard to sink into the chair if you're in the front row. Yeah. So probably easiest if we start with the oldest. Oh. Fantastic. Microphone's working. Welcome. Good of you to bring your backpack. Uh, well, I'm Chris. What's your name? I'm Sophie. Sophie. And um, you're going into which year at school? I'm going into year eight. Oh, you're groaning already. Why is that? Well, because um, year eight's really scary and I'm doing higher level classes, so they're going to be like really hard. Like I'm doing year 11 maths and things like that. But I know what that means. You've been put into high level classes because you're extremely intelligent, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. Look, I won't put you on the spot too much, but nice to meet you, Sophie. Oh, an invisible young woman. Most interesting. What's, even though I can't see you, what's your name? Inara. Inara. That's wonderful. And what year are you going into? Year eight. Also year eight. Not the same school? Yeah. Oh, well, that's great that you know each other and at least have friends. really unfortunate, actually. <laughs> fortunate that we live together. Oh my goodness. So, um, and you're even sitting, you're ha you're, somebody forced you to sit together at church as well. Oh, I know. Such an unfortunate time for me right now. Yes. Well, hopefully things will pick up through the year. You may have a few minutes apart, you know, each day. Um, we only have a few lessons together, thankfully. Right. Well, that's great. It's called respite. That's what we call respite care. Lovely to meet you, Inara. Gee, they're almost like sisters. And what's your name? Emily. Emily. And which year are you going into? Year seven. Year seven. So is, does that mean you're going up from primary to yeah. senior? Yeah. So any concerns about that? Um, well, my best friend from primary school is going to the same high school as me, but we don't share any of the same classes. So. But at least you can hang out at recess times. Yeah. yeah. And any other people you know going to the same school? No. Oh, okay. Well, I think you're going to be best buddies there for a while, you and your friend. Well, I'll, I'll leave it at that, but nice to meet you, Emily. All right, who else is going to come up? There are a couple there that can't get out of their pram, so... Hello there, what's your name? Um, I'm Ellie. Ellie, and which year are you going into? Six. Six. So you're going to be one of the big kids at school, right? Yes. And are you going to be telling everyone else what to do? Ho maybe ish. I don't know. Maybe um, question mark. I think that that's a fair answer. I was getting lots of yeses from the audience. I have no idea why. But uh, you enjoying school? Yeah. Right. Who have we got here? What's your name? David. David. And what year are you going into? Three. Three. Um, do you think it's going to be... So, you've just done three and you don't have to do it again, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, so, is the way you look at it that you just go to school and whatever year it is, doesn't really matter, you just go along to school? Well, I've basically only done year four maths this year, so I'm not doing much other things in maths. Right. So, well, if, if you did Year 4 maths in Year 3, maybe you'll do Year 5 maths in Year 4. Maybe. Now, I met you earlier, Julie, isn't it? Yeah, which year are you going into? Four. 
And do you think it's going to be different from year three? I think so. Same teacher or different teacher? Different teacher. And do you know much about the teacher? No idea. All right. Well, I'm sure it'll be fine. What's your favourite subject or activity? English. English. So uh, is it writing stories or reading stories? Writing. Right. <coughs> Can you just tell me briefly about the best story you wrote? Sorry, I've really put you on the spot with that one. Um, I do remember once I wrote a story, although I was probably a bit older, uh, about a spot that landed on someone and then it took over their whole body. But, yeah, I, I guess that was more of a horror story than anything else. Do you write happier stories? Yes. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you probably have a, a very happy life, and I certainly hope that is the case. Okay, Julie, nice to meet you. Now, I think we're getting to the point of children who might be hiding. I'm gathering by now that your name's Paolo. Yeah. And uh, what year are you going into? Year eight. Right. And now, I have actually spoken with you before, and I remember that you like sport quite a bit, don't you? Yeah, a lot. And so, uh, and your favourite, is it basketball or something else? Basketball. Yep. You're going to play for the school? I play for club, but yeah, I play for the school again. So the club and the school. It's a really energetic game, isn't it, basketball? Yeah, I love it. Fantastic. Well, you know, it's one of the great things in life to find out those things that you're really passionate about and that you can pursue as, as far as possible. Uh, do you think you might keep playing it after high school and, and onwards? Yeah, I'll, um, that's what I'm aiming for, so, yeah. Fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you in the NBL, right? As an, for those who don't know, National Basketball League, right? Yeah, yeah. You see, the minister knows one, one or two things about it. Hey, Paolo, thanks for chatting to us. Do I have any, any other people? Oh, that's wonderful. Two together, that's fine. Let's do that. I won't make you sit on the same chair, but then I'll have to stand. So perhaps I'll pass the microphone and you can tell me your names and what year you're going into. Saskia. Saskia. <laughs> Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I know when people are trying to play a trick on me. Um, and you look similar as well. Like, are you the same person or something? <laughs> That's pretty... No, sorry, you, you're both named Saskia. Is that right? And your friends as well. You met each other at netball. Great. Tell me about playing netball. Um, it's tiring. <laughs> play for us. Oh, you play for your schools uh, for netball in different teams. Fair enough. Well, look, thanks for saying hello. Do I have anyone else to talk to? I, uh, someone down there? Yeah, wonderful. Come on up. And perhaps Mum could come up as well. Yeah, do you want to sit down there? Lovely. Tell me, what's your name? Genevieve. Genevieve. And um, may I ask how old you are? I'm seven and a half. Seven and a half, thank you. I appreciate that you included a fraction, because it makes it very accurate. Um, which year are you going into? Year two. Year two. And will you have a lot of friends going into year two with you? My best friend is in the other class, but I think that's fine, because she was in my class last year and the year before that. Oh, that's okay. And I'm sure you'll be able to hang out at recess time. Yeah. 
What do you like doing at recess time, actually? Well, my friends, sister's friends, and my friend's sister um, teaches us gymnastics, so I kind of, that's what I usually do, is play. Fine. Well, gymnastics is great because it, you, you get to stretch and you, you grow and get stronger. It's a really good sport. Yeah. And last, no, wait, last, yes, last year, wait, was it last year? No, the year before that, I learnt how to do the splits with some of my friends. Doing the splits. I think I was actually able to do that about 40 years ago, but <laughs> I'm not going to try it today. Lovely to meet you, Genevieve. Do we have other people to talk to? What I'd like to do is ask all of the young people to come up the front. So, Genevieve, do you have a backpack with you? Can you bring it up the front? Because I have a, a backpack as well. And let me tell you about a problem that I had. So the problem I had was trying to figure out what would be a lovely gift from all of us here at the church to you. And it's difficult because you're all different people and you, you like different things. So I'm not sure what you're going to think, but I thought it would be better to get everybody the same thing. So, one, two, three, four, five, yeah, I think I've got just the right number. I brought a whole lot of gel pens. You know what they are? Some people will like them. All of us here today have our invisible backpacks on. It sounds weird, but we're all carrying with us hurts and disappointments and worries, but also hopes and dreams for what we can achieve. And this is a good time near the start of the year to try and let go of the disappointments and the worries and to focus on the dreams and what we can achieve this year. And the most important thing I want to say to you young people is that you have in you, in your personal backpack, so to speak, all of the strength and courage and intelligence you need to get through this year and achieve what you want to achieve, whether it's in the school classes or whether it's in sport or in doing kind things for other people. So thank you. Our blessings go with you. You're loved at home, loved by your friends and loved by everyone in this room. So we hope you have a great year. Now, if you want to go out, I'm recommending that you go down the central aisle. Anyone who wants to can give you a high five on the way out, if you want to. Oh, sorry, we're going to have a camera. Smile at the camera first. Can we do a camera shot? Wonderful. So, yeah, if you go out through the centre aisle and then around to the side, you can go out to Sunday Club. Now I'll ask Miranda to come up. This fellow is a Unitarian from Rochester, New York in the USA. He's a long-standing Unitarian Universalist, Professor Michael L. Scott. He set out his beliefs of what Unitarian is, so it would be lovely to hear that from Miranda. We believe that life is holy, a priceless, unearned gift of grace, and one that imposes great obligations on us. If you want to know what something is worth... Don't try to measure it in dollars. Rather, measure it in terms of things that enhance the precious gift of life in justice, compassion, happiness, beauty, knowledge, and understanding. We are concerned first and foremost with this world, with appreciating it deeply, 
and with making it as beautiful as possible. We also believe in the unity of existence. We deny any separation or conflict between science and religion, or between the sacred and the secular. We believe that every person has deep, inherent worth. Poor people matter as much as rich people, gay as much as straight. Ugandans matter as much as Americans, Muslims as much as Christians. We've always placed a very strong emphasis on working for social justice. We also believe that nature matters. The world isn't ours to exploit, but rather to cherish and share. We are guests here. Our needs do not automatically trump those of polar bears or redwoods or slime mold. Most important of all, we must not use the world up. It's all we will ever have, and it has to last forever. Finally, we believe we are called to act on our convictions, forcefully, but with humility and with respect for those who disagree, because we don't know all the answers, and we can't be absolutely sure of the answers we think we know. Our job is to get better over time, and to help the whole world do likewise. Thank you. And of course, we're all free to agree or disagree with any of that. Uh, personally, I disagree with the bit about slime mould. Uh, I, I am trying to eliminate it from my bathroom. Battle of the species. So I'll light the first candle. And uh, a really obvious joy today is to see all of those young people here in the church. And even to hear a little bit from them is such a joy. Just getting a little sense of their personalities and their passions and it's a moment that we also register the joys and concerns in our hearts that remain unspoken. There's always much to be joyful for, especially those times when we can be with our family, be with our children and appreciate the passion for life. There are also concerns, so many health problems we need to deal with, and on a broader level, issues of contention and conflict in our society. But we pray for peace. We pray for a proper balance in our lives between our obligations and the joys of being with those we love. Now I offer some reflections on moving up in grades. We've acknowledged our young people this morning as they prepare to move up a grade in school and commence another year of learning. It's very obvious when we look at our young people that they're growing older year by year and all the while advancing in learning and maturity. So let's spare a few moments this morning to consider that we are no different. Most of us, perhaps all of us here, are committed to learning as we grow older. <clears throat> For example, I've just learnt how to light the candles in the church. <laughs> now, I'm not referring to the mundane additions of knowledge that we accumulate from doing crossword puzzles and watching television shows. And I don't mean to diminish the pleasure of those pastimes, but I really want to focus on spiritual growth. 
For young people, the course of learning is prescribed extensively. From the end of January to about the end of November each year, they will generally be attending school and working through the curriculum in a series of subjects. Each year they meet a new set of teachers, some familiar faces and some they will meet for the first time. In contrast, the path of spiritual development is not so obvious. It is not apparently compulsory. There is no prescribed reading. There are teachers in our lives, but they don't necessarily have that title. When I say that the spiritual path is apparently not compulsory, I should explain. It is possible to go through life as a talking animal, simply avoiding pain and seeking pleasure and comfort, no need for sacrifice or discipline. Most people find out eventually, though, that there's a catch to that. Life isn't laid out for us like a beautiful dinner party setting. As much as the average person might try to manufacture a life of comfortable habits, which may include attending church, by the way, the fact is we lose things, we leave places, people we care for move out of our lives one way or another. I know one of the richest men in Adelaide had to endure the pain of his son's death and all of his many millions of dollars couldn't bring his son back. There's just no getting away from the fact that we have to cope with loss and grief at times. And these experiences invite us to a more thoughtful perspective on life. The upsets we experience can lead us to the path where we experience peace and forgiveness and a sense of self-fulfillment. Crisis can be opportunity. One of the most famous examples of this in history is the story of the young prince who had everything. Every delicacy was available for him to eat. He had the company of beautiful, intelligent people. The palace grounds were there for his recreation. As he walked outside, the servants would carry a white sheet over his head to protect him from the sun. At one point, the prince directed his carriage further from the palace than usual. And for the first time, he saw a sick person, a very old person, and then a dead person on the side of the road. He had never seen anything so shocking and grotesque. It set him on a path of philosophical inquiry, which ultimately led to his enlightenment as the Buddha. It is a conscious choice to follow the spiritual path. As famously observed in the Christian Bible, it is a narrow path. This means conscious effort, sacrifices and discipline are required. In one sense, you can start from anywhere. This means you can start this work regardless of your culture, age or material circumstances. Once you've started on the journey, the world appears as chaotic as a classroom full of five-year-olds. The babbling, the commotion, everyone's attention jumping here and there from one second to the next. In that space, you must find a silence in your own space. You need to connect with a sense of peace inside of you. And it's not easy to maintain that with all the distractions. 
Once you've started on the journey, it's practically impossible to close your eyes and go back to the way you were. Once you've experienced that hunger for an overwhelming sense of peace, a world where kind people connect with each other sensitively, a world where everything makes sense because it's part of a plan, once you've experienced that, it's very difficult to go back to daytime television. If we took a few people out of school, these young people, and told them they don't have to go anymore, there might be a few days of exhilaration, playing on their devices, thinking of fun things to do, but pretty soon, though, I reckon, they'd be asking to go back to school. In fact, I'd be surprised if some of our young people weren't getting very impatient over the long summer break, wanting to go back to school. <laughs> but we are like that in spiritual life. It's so easy for our young learners in many ways having their subjects and the curriculum set out for them. Yes, they get to make a few choices, especially in the later years, but a lot is mapped out for them. It's not so easy on the spiritual path. Since the days of the ancient Egyptians and the Greek philosophers, the problem for spiritual seekers was that there were limited avenues for advice, clues about how to develop spiritually. For the last 20 years at least, post-internet, the problem has been the converse, having so many possible sources of information. The question arises, from which source should one be getting spiritual teaching? What is the correct framework for spiritual development? It would be like saying to one of our 12-year-olds, you can go to any school in Adelaide, and each school will have a hundred different subjects for you to choose from, and even when you choose your subjects, you'll have a choice of ten different teachers. That's how bewildering it is sometimes for someone discerning how to tread the spiritual path. Meeting as Unitarians, some might think we're not very helpful imparting the message only that you must find your own way, and we don't dictate or direct you one way or another. But the beauty of this place, of course, is that it is a safe place where matters of the spirit can be explored safely, without judgment. And there's great comfort and reassurance in treading the spiritual path in the company of other kind-hearted seekers. In one way, it's so easy to measure the progress of our young people. We can instantly apply a marker this one has finished primary school, was about to begin high school. This one's year five, moving up into year six, and so on. But for us, the markers of spiritual progress are not always so obvious. Now a joke. Did you hear the one about the Freemason, the Theosophist, and the girl guide who walked into a bar? <laughs> they introduced themselves and started chatting away. So the bartender left them alone for a little while. Eventually, the bartender thought it was time to ask them what they wanted to order. So he goes up to them and says, what have you been chatting about all this time? And they all answered together, we've been comparing our grades. Okay, now that is probably the most bizarre joke you've ever heard, one of, probably one of the weakest. But the point is that there are many schools of spiritual thought which have specific grades of development as markers of what one has learned and assimilated along the way. Just as surely as we have 
young people that we identify according to which year they're in at school. Now this is something of an alien concept for traditional Christianity. One of the great psychological selling points of Christianity is that if you accept the premise of the religion, then you're saved. That's it. Of course you have obligations to act ethically as a Christian, but fundamentally you don't need to do anything more at that point to go to heaven according to the doctrine of being justified by faith alone. You may well suspect it wasn't always like that. Yeshua did not establish a theology based on the Trinity, crucifixion and vicarious atonement. In what we call the first century in the eastern Mediterranean region, there were indeed conceptions of different levels of spiritual advancement. The Greek mystery religions entailed initiation and promotion to various levels after undergoing tests of courage and character. The religion of Mithra, very widespread at the time, was essentially a sun god religion. It had seven grades, from the novice follower to the most highly developed human being. Jewish and therefore early Christian thought at the time was heavily influenced by Chaldean theology and cosmogony. The Chaldeans or Chaldeans, you might say, had a system of seven heavens. Upon death, according to one's spiritual merits, one would have access to the appropriate level of heaven. You may still sometimes hear the expression, I was in seventh heaven. And that, for someone who was overjoyed, that is from that ancient system of spiritual ranking. If you focus on the books attributed to Mark and Thomas, you may well suspect that Yeshua was familiar with this conception of people going through various stages of spiritual evolution rather than the concept of wham, bam, you're saved, man. Now, finally, let me run through some of the key elements in the curriculum as you commence the year of learning ahead of you you will get better at listening to others carefully, empathetically and respectfully. You will look for opportunities to be of service to others, even strangers. You will be ever more conscious of your passions and will moderate them if they impinge on the well-being of others or yourself. Every week, if not every day, you'll find time to be with your soul, whether it be walking in the bush, gazing at the sea, or appreciating a fine piece of music. So, now you have your work cut out for you. I wish you well in accomplishing the lessons, the life lessons of 2023. And at the end of the year, we might be asking, will you be going up a grade? Let's just contemplate that for a moment. Brothers and sisters, let's continue to advance ourselves spiritually, to be kinder, to be of service as often as we can.
We hope you've enjoyed this Expanding Horizons podcast. These podcasts are the intellectual property of the presenter. They can be used only with the express permission and appropriate acknowledgement of the presenter. This permission can be obtained by emailing admin at unitariansa.org.au. Please feel free to leave a comment or visit us on Facebook or Twitter by searching SA Unitarians or by visiting our website at unitariansa.org.au.